following message is presented by Erie Evangelical Free Church in Erie, Illinois. We are a church that exists for the good of our community and are proud to share the gospel of Jesus Christ as we seek to know Him and make Him known. Well, this morning, I kind of wrestled with this, this one. Um, the, the passage I want us to look at is a story that so many of us are familiar with, and, and yet... Maybe not. So we're going to take some time and walk through uh, Exodus chapter 1 and 2. If you'd like to turn there. If you have read your Bible much um, or been in Sunday school or been around the church much you're, you're, or watched movies like the Ten Commandments, you have uh, some familiarity with Exodus, Exodus, the chap, second, chap, uh, second book of, of the Bible. And um, it's a story of the Exodus. It's amazing how that worked out. Um, the children of Israel had come to Egypt out of necessity. There was a famine, and, and Joseph had been sold into slavery by his brothers years before, and now he had risen to some prominence. His, his life in Egypt was a roller coaster, but he had risen to some prominence. His brothers come because of a famine. They end up settling there, and that's how the Israelites got into Egypt. Well, years pass, and what we find now is, uh, uh, if you look at verse 5, a new king, a new pharaoh comes to power, and he doesn't give a rip about Joseph or Joseph's people. In fact, if anything, as we read it, he comes to power and he says, look, these, these folks have just become too many. They're becoming too numerous. There's too many of them. There's too much potential for problems with them. I mean, we've got these foreigners living among us. What if they start to outnumber us? What if somebody comes at us to attack us, and they decide to fight with the opposing army? So Pharaoh says, aha, we have to do something. Let's make life miserable for them. Let's turn them into slaves. So that's exactly what happens. They become slaves in Egypt. Okay? Suppress them. Shut down this burgeoning group of people. The problem is, the problem is with, with God's people, Pharaoh tries to shut them down, and what happens? They prosper. They just keep growing in numbers. So he takes more drastic measures. They put, they put slave masters over them in verse 11. But the more they were oppressed, verse 12, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites, and worked them. They made life miserable for them. So the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, whose names were Shifra and Pua, how would you like to have a name like Pua? But 
when, when you help the Hebrew women in childbirth and observe them on the delivery stool, if it's a boy, kill him. But if it's a girl, let him live. Because they figured the boys would be the threat. Now here's where the story gets so good. This is, this is where we see uh, courage and, and persistence and perseverance and faith at work. Now remember, the king, the pharaoh, has all the power. Snap of the finger and you're dead. And he says, okay, kill him. If it's a boy, you kill it. It's that simple. That's the law. But the first thing we're going to see is uh, Mother for Our Times. That was the title I wanted this morning because we need mothers like this in times like this. The first thing we see that they bring to the table is a mother for the times protects, protects children, protects children. That's why we must be involved with Pregnancy Center. That's why we must be involved in ministries like, like Kids Alive and others that take care of children, another child foundation. Godly mothers protect their children. If you don't believe that, uh, uh, just go out sometime when you're out west, for example. Find some bear country and find a mama bear with a baby bear and just try to go up and pet the baby bear. You'll have to learn to write with your other hand probably. The king decides that they must die. But the midwives, however, what's it say? They feared God. They feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do. And they let the boys live. Then the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and asked them, why have you done this? Why have you let the boys live? And they responded to Pharaoh, well, Hebrew women, they make up, a, this is really an excuse, they make up a story. The Hebrew, the Hebrew women um, are not like the rest of us. They're strong and, you know, they, they give birth before we can get there, essentially. But the key factor in this is that these women feared God. This is, my friends, the pro-life movement at work. These are women who understand the sanctity of life, that it was not in their power to kill these children. Now, I understand. I'm, I'm, I don't know all of you. I don't know where all of you stand on life issues. And this may be offensive to some of you. But I'm just saying, this church is pro-life. And I think I can speak for all of us in leadership. That as long as we are in leadership, this church will be pro-life. These women were pro-life. 
They defied the Pharaoh's edict. You know, as I've said, we support Pregnancy Center, and part of their work is, is they, are, they counsel with uh, young women, um, sometimes with their husbands, sometimes with boyfriends, sometimes with other family members. They're facing a decision they're not sure how to make. They have the culture breathing down their neck one way, but so often in their hearts, their hearts are telling them something different. And so they come to Pregnancy Center, for example. And what do they meet there? What do they find there? And what should they find here? So often, those of us on the other side of the the, the whole pro-choice pro movement, go about it all wrong. We need to reach out to these hurting, lonely, struggling people. And we need to reach out in love, not shout out in anger. We need to come alongside those facing difficult choices in their lives. Even though they're considering choices that we, we see as purely wrong, we need to come alongside instead of getting in their face and calling them murderers or worse. We need to help those who we disagree with see the consequences of the road that we are on. These women stood up to Pharaoh, stood up against his edict. Now, we believe in being responsible citizens also in this church. But when and if it comes to a clash point, we must stand with the disciples who said, we must obey God, not man. Amen? The king's edict in our day is our culture, government, even family, or maybe the company you work for. When faced with a choice between doing what God says we must do or following the prevailing philosophy of the culture or the godlessness of man, we must and always must choose to follow God. There is no other way. These women feared God more than they feared Pharaoh and more than they feared even death. Because that was a potential for them. Now we sit in our culture and we say, well, yeah, it's all bad. I, we know that, you know, abortion is a bad thing, and we're, but, but it'll stop here. Really? At where did it stop before? At three months? Six months? Nine months? Now we're considering even beyond birth? 
What happens to us, us old people when we no longer become useful in society? You say, no, that'll never happen here. Go back and read the history of Germany in the 1930s. So all you have to do. Pharaoh proves this to us. He says, first of all, you two midwives, you make sure these boys die. And when they don't get the job done, what's he do? Now he says, every boy. The last verse of chapter 1, then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people. Every boy that is born to you must be thrown into the river. But let every girl live. You see, as because of Adam and Eve's sin in the Garden of Eden, we have this thing called a sin nature that we carry with it. We are born with it. Only God can conquer it. And it is it has an insatiable appetite for evil. Someone once defined depravity for me as we're not as we're as bad off as we could be, but we're not as bad as we could be. We still are restrained, whether it's by conscience or by faith, but we are restrained from doing some of the most horrible things. And yet we look at our world, and what do we see? We see a lot of pretty horrible things that get done. Well, to borrow a quote, cometh the hour, cometh the man, or in this case, the woman. God's going to deal with Pharaoh and deliver his people from their bondage in their hour of need. And God is going to use an unlikely source. Which brings us to our second point. That a woman of the times, a mother of the times, provides. Provides. Though not named here, the man's name is Amram. And the woman's name is Jacobed. We start in chapter 2, verse 1. Now a man of the house of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. Now, that's skipping over a couple details here, which you find later on in Exodus. Um, They were slaves. This would have been a very humble couple in terms of their means, but they were slaves. And, and as you read it, you find out that Jacobed is Amran, Amram's aunt. <laughs> that doesn't startle anybody. <laughs> okay, guys, think about your Aunt Ethel. <laughs> Enough said. <laughs> but God's going to use them in an incredible way. When she, and, and also, they'd all, before it mentions the birth of this son, they'd already given birth to two other children, an older daughter named Miriam, uh, 
and an older son who is now about three months old named Aaron. And you'll find their story weaved into this greatly down the line. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. For three months. Now, have you ever... I, I, I love it, moms. I love it when you bring small babies into the church service. I really do. Um, and and I, know it, I know they get a little noisy, and it bothers you far more than it bothers any of us. Believe me. Um, we had five sons. And I still remember, this was back in the days when a lot of the churches I would go to minister to were like very quiet churches where people were very quiet through the whole service and wooden pews. Now, boys, little boys and wooden pews, not a good match, right? Kicking and... When they weren't kicking each other, they were kicking the pews. And I still remember the day in Tisco, Illinois, I think it was, when I looked down and I see Judy has a startled look on her face, and two of the boys are gone. <laughs> Under and back. And I see a lady about two rows back go. <laughs> <laughs> Try to keep a kid quiet. And, and for three months, for fear of his life. Until she realizes she can no longer keep him quiet and keep him safe. But, you know, something else I, I meant to mention here, too, is, is that in the midst of all this hardship and this terrible life that they had in Egypt, this couple started a family. Why in the world would you want to bring children into a world like that? Why in the world would you bring children in? Can I offer one word? Hope. Hope. Moms, look at your kids. They are hope. They are our hope for the future that you will raise them, that we together as a church... <laughs> I know. Some of you are going, gee, my kids? <laughs> you got to be kidding. If, if my kids are the hope of the world, why? Uh, but it's true. That is where the hope of the world lies, is in our kids. And I think that's why, and, and, and Pastor Jonathan taught on this sometime back, in Jeremiah 29, before the famous verse that we all know about, uh, you know, God says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. He tells them, okay, you're going to be in captivity, and there I want you to marry, I want you to have kids, I want you to just raise families. Why? Because every culture needs godly children. Every culture needs parents who are raising godly children who will be the godly men and women and the godly leaders for the years to come. But she provides. She has a plan. 
And she and we know the rest of this story pretty well. She puts him in the water. The Pharaoh's daughter finds the baby. Orchestrated God doesn't miss a detail here. God doesn't miss a detail. And she takes him and raises a child as her own. But she needs someone to help, someone to nurse the child. Entered Jacobed, Moses' real mother. Now, I want you to imagine, moms, that you're nursing a child, you're helping another woman whom this child will call mother. You'll watch her get the Mother's Day cards. You'll watch her get the flowers. You think there wasn't some agony in the decision that Jacobed made to give up her child that way? Jacobed gave up her child in faith, Hebrews says, in faith that he would be rescued and raised in a loving home. We have a grandson. Well, we have several. But the most recent one is like this. I can't imagine life without him. But we hurt for the mom who will never know the love of this, I'll say love and terror of this, <laughs> this three-year-old. God orchestrates the rescue. And he uses Jacobed, and she becomes this hidden life factor. We need to get to communion, I realize that. Just the last point I want to be clear on. And this surely was true in Jacobed's life. And that is that the, the mother for the times pursues her children. Pursues. And by that I simply mean she never... Listen carefully. She never, 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 ever gives up on her children. The whole rest of the world may write them off, but a mom never will. Isaiah chapter 49, verse 15. You don't have to turn there right now. Just write that down. It says, can a mother forget the baby nursing at her breast? Can a mother forget a baby nursing at her breast? And the implication is there what? Of course not. 
But then it goes on to say, yeah, a mother may forget. But that's the effect of sin in, in our lives. Many of you have lost children. Many of you have lost infants before birth or, or shortly after birth. And I'll be the first to confess as a father, you're kind of numb to it. But we're numb to a lot of things. But I know in our case, there's every year on that date, she remembers. You never, ever, ever, ever give up. You never forget your children. My mother, until the day she died when I went to the nursing home, she'd tell me when I left, call when you get home. I'd say, Mom, I'm 64 years old. Um, and doesn't matter. Once a mom, what? Always a mom. Yeah, for sure. And that passage goes on to say, though a mother may forget, I will not forget you, God says. See, I have you engraved on the palm of my hand. I love that verse. I have you engraved on the palm of my hand. God will never forget you. Now listen, there are some of you who haven't had the best of relationships with your mother. and Maybe your mother's walked away from you. Maybe she has hurt you deeply. Okay, I get it. God still loves you. God has you engraved on the palm of his hand. We're going to turn our attention to communion in a couple moments. And I'm going to ask Pastor Jonathan to come. But what's it going to be for us as a church? Which side are we standing on? Will we stand on the side of, of life? Will we stand in favor of protecting the rights of the innocents of this world? Or will we simply go around our safe and comfortable lives, oblivious to the ever-growing darkness that flows from our world's disregard for human life? I hope we stand like Jacobed and like the midwives. And I hope we're willing when the time comes and as it comes to stand up in the face of the king's edict and do the right thing and serve faithfully our God. Let's bow and pray. Lord, it is such a dark world, as, as Pastor Jonathan said earlier. And it's right in our backyard. It's growing faster and faster as we go. So God, as we have considered this passage, and I know we've just kind of touched on little points here and there, I pray that we are more aware of, of the importance of being a pro-life church, of being men and women who believe in the sanctity of life and who will be willing and who are willing 
to invest our lives and our money and our time for the cause. Father, we love you and we thank you in Christ's name. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you'd like more information about Erie Evangelical Free Church or our ministries, please visit www.eriefree.com or join us in person at 1409 16th Avenue, Erie, Illinois.